right, let's start her off. Welcome everybody in to the Tuesday episode of Quick Hits. My name is Blake Pace. It is October 27th. Uh, I know I usually try and do these on a Monday. I was really excited about Monday Night Football, so I wanted to save the pod so we could talk a little bit about that game. Obviously, two very uh, successful teams thus far in the season and a very um, underwhelming, I guess, uh, result, what we got on the field where the Rams just dominated from... uh, Really, I mean, it was close a little bit in the first quarter, and then the Rams kind of just were pulling away with things. Um, So uh, here on a Tuesday... I'm still going to put out three episodes this week. We'll have a a Tuesday, Wednesday, Friday schedule. So we'll have a podcast tomorrow talking about some league-wide stuff, uh, some top 10 teams in the NFL, uh, news and notes from around the league. So we'll do all of that uh, later on this week. Of course, on Friday, Teddy will will be joining us again to do uh, week eight picks against the spread. Uh, it was a it was a pretty successful week. Um, you know, I think I went eight and five against the spread um, in our picks. Uh, best bets was only a one and two. Uh, you know, what's funny is I, I said I had five best bets and the two that I left out hit. Uh, I was all over the lines plus two and um, uh, what was the other one that I had? Shit, I can't remember. But I was on uh, Seahawks minus three and a half. Of course, that one I you know we'll, we'll talk about all of those games and then I was on Bills minus thirteen and a half, which. Look, I think that's a great place to start. Actually, I, I want to start with that, with uh, with that game first. Um, the Bills taking this one, 18 to 10. Uh, the Jets are now 0 and 7 for the second time in franchise history. Uh, last uh, time was in 1996. 0 and 7 start for the Jets. Obviously, they are the worst team in football. Um, got some exciting pieces back in that offense. Mekhi Becton was back at left tackle. Sam Darnold was back at quarterback. And we got the debut of Denzel Mims, um, who, you know, looked looked pretty good. Um, the connection with Sam is still a little rough. Sam had some throws where he just missed the timing on with Mims. And, and honestly, you know, it wasn't a great showing for, for Sam at all. But um, let's, let's talk about the game because I uh, had decided my method of betting was going to be to just bet against the Jets on the spread. Um, and put a, a decent amount of money on it. I, I bet 150 bucks on the uh, the Bills to win by 10 and a half. Um, fortunately enough, I had a really great week otherwise where I, I still ended up in the green uh, despite losing 150 on that one game. So the rest of the slate really helped me out big time there. Um, really just an ugly, ugly game. Um, really, where it boiled down to why it was such a close game was the element of surprise in that first half. We didn't realize that Adam Gase was not going to be calling plays, um, and and that caught everyone off guard, especially the Bills' defense in that first half. Um, there were way better and more intricate run concepts, um, and it was all developing something. You know, we talk about this all the time. The great offensive coordinators are the ones that sprinkle in a few plays in the first quarter that are always going to keep the defense thinking. Um, and, and then what you do is you do different variations of that play to really catch the defense off guard. And that was working in the first half. And look, Dowell Logans, or Loggins, however you say his last name, he should be the play caller for the remainder of this season. It just looked way more put together. It looked very um, orderly. It looked like there was it looked it looked like there was a plan, which there should always be a plan, yet for the first six weeks of this season and 
really, if we want to go through and look at the offensive production that, that Adam Gase has gotten out of his players throughout his career, it just doesn't seem like there's been a plan. Um, so, look, I'm, I'm all in on uh, Dowell Loggins calling plays for the rest of the season. Um, still, I just think the talent might not be there to, to get a single win this year. Like I said, I think the easiest opponent they have left remaining is the Dolphins, who most recently shut them out 24 to nothing. Um, one thing that I wanted to speak about, too, and I alluded to it at the beginning, is Sam Darnold is still inconsistent as hell. Um, he missed a number of throws where his timing was just completely off. And look, I'll give that some credit to, hey, he just hasn't gotten a lot of time with Denzel Mims yet. He's still trying to, you know, get a fully healthy receiving core. The offensive line is still bad. So I'm not like, I'm not just trying to, I've been very, le I, I've tried to hold back my bashing of Sam Darnold now for about a year, I'd say. I'd say around the second half of last season, I really tried to tone it down because really it's just a shit situation. Maybe I'm also kind of opening myself up to the idea that the Colts might honestly make a trade for him to be the quarterback for, for Indianapolis uh, to be the future there. So I don't know. Um, and then the other thing we need to consider, too, about this game, so I'm done talking about the Jets now. What I want to talk about with the Bills is is everybody seems to be so down on Buffalo because they only beat the Jets 18-10, to and they scored six field goals. We have to take a look at the numbers here. This was a... This was a... The Bills dominated the Jets in this football game. They did. They outgained them 422 yards to 190. It was utter domination. The only thing that didn't work is they couldn't get the ball into the end zone. They ended up having to kick a lot of field goals. Look, they kicked uh, eight field goals because Tyler Bass missed two of them, connected on six. If three of those drives end in touchdowns, I mean, we are talking a massive, massive blowout. So, you know, I think... Look, the red zone failures, I think teams run into that all the time where they can't get things done in the red zone. We've seen the Bills be very good in the red zone already this year. It's just a game that didn't go their way in the red zone. They ended up having to kick a lot of field goals. And plus, you know, you know, maybe they go for it if they feel like they need to, but it was against the Jets. The Jets offense after, the, you know, really the halfway through the second quarter couldn't move the ball at all. So at the end of the day, the Bills didn't need to do a whole lot to win this game. And I know everybody's taking a look at them or we're downing Josh Allen, we're downing the Bills. Josh Allen still had a really good game. High completion percentage, threw for a lot of yards. He just didn't get touchdowns. Like, let's not hate on them. They, they literally outgained them 422 to 190. They dominated. It just doesn't show up on the scoreboard. Everybody's trying to jump off the Bills now because they've lost to the, the Chiefs. They lost to the Titans. And then they beat the Jets only by eight. The Bills are still a good football team. They're still the best in the AFC East. And they're still a top three to four team in the AFC alone. So... Um, that's my my uh, my thoughts on that game. I, I just wanted to I spend a little bit more time on this than the rest of the games because I had so much invested in it, and I just have two very strong opinions on both sides of the ball. Where the Jets keep keep uh, play calling away from Adam Gase, your offense actually looks like it has a, a a game plan. And then for the Bills, like why are you jumping ship just because of a a, a slight win over a division rival where? You, kick, you, you drove down the field on every single opportunity, and you just had to kick field goals. That's it. That's it. Um, yeah, that, that's really my thoughts on those two games. All right, so let's go through the rest of the slate. I want to go talk right now about the Saints and the Panthers. Saints win this one 27-24. Um, talking about the Panthers first. Another great game from Teddy Bridgewater. I mean, a great game. 23 of 28, 254 yards, two touchdowns. Um, 
And really, this was a, a game where you saw the, the the run game for the Panthers was stifled. They couldn't get anything going on the ground. And so it was all on Teddy Bridgewater. And he did a terrific job. He was very efficient. Um, this young wide receiving trio, I, I, I'll keep saying it, it's one of the most exciting to watch because all three are so talented in their own specific ways. You know, Robbie just is so great at stretching the field on some deep passing concepts. DJ Moore is a guy that does it all. And then Curtis Samuel is this like little trinket where it's like, oh, we can have him do some end arounds. We can line him up at running back and have him score a six yard touchdown. Like he he can do anything. He's kind of just like this little toy that they're just playing around on the field. And, and for that to be your number three wide receiver, it's a very talented trio that they've got there. Um, to me, this is this is who Carolina is. They're they're a team that will beat up on the bad to average teams in football, and then against the good ones, they're gonna hang around all year. You know, I was all over Panthers plus seven and a half. I don't get how the Saints were a touchdown favorite, especially without you know their top two wide receivers and and just the way that they've been playing this year. Like they don't blow out teams. That's not who the Saints are. And, and the Panthers are a team that's they're they're gonna hang around those good teams all year. They're just gonna cause them fits. Maybe they get a few upsets in there. Um, really, really, you know, I, I think outside of, you know, maybe Pittsburgh, who we'll talk about in a little bit, my, my biggest apology goes out to Teddy Bridgewater and, and this Panthers team, because I just, I thought it was going to take a little bit. I thought it was going to be a three and 13, four and 12 kind of year where they sit and they, they take a look and say, okay, maybe we can get a quarterback if we're picking high enough in the draft. Um, they did, they killed the draft this past year on defense. Got some really solid pieces back there. Jeremy Chin, Derek Brown. Um, hats off. Hats off to the uh, Panthers there. Now for the Saints, we we all understand that they're not a, a legit contender this year, right? I hope we're all on that boat now. I've been on this boat for a while. I hope some of you are starting to join me. Um, look, once you get Emmanuel Sanders and Michael Thomas back, the offense, of course, will be you know better, but... The offense is good with whoever's at wide receiver. It really is. It's just, it's it's Sean Payton just designing plays where a bunch of no-names could do this job alone. And I think that's why we're starting to see some of these rumors that uh, Michael Thomas might be on the trade block now. Is that real? Probably not. But it is interesting to see. Um, you know, th this offense hums no matter who's at wide receiver. Um, my thing with the Saints is it's, it's just they're... When you, when you take a look at the elite in the NFC, and, and the elite, I include Green Bay, Tampa Bay, and, and then teams with really good passing offenses like the Seattle Seahawks and the Los Angeles Rams, really good offenses. So that's what I mean here. The best offenses in the NFC can all put up 30-plus points on this Saints defense. This Saints defense is nothing special. They were great two years ago. They are pretty good last year. And this year, it's just not been the same. Any team can put up points on this, this Saints defense. I really think that they've kind of missed their window. You know, whether it be playoff misfortune, uh, you know, losing, you know, in all of those heartbreaking ways the last few years, it's just, it's, the window's gone, especially with Drew Brees at the helm. And they've got a bunch of situations here with the cap where this offseason is going to be a tricky situation for them to figure out. But I just don't see it happening this, this year. I, I don't see them being able to keep pace with the offenses of Green Bay, Tampa Bay, Seattle, and the Rams. Now, Seattle, I would say, would be the one that I'd, I'd give them, okay, you can probably keep up with the Seahawks just because their defense is so bad. Um, but I just, I, look, 
Will they be in the playoffs? Yes. Could they win the division? Yes. Could they be, you know, you know, in the second round or even push the needle a little bit further in the playoffs? Maybe. I don't I don't believe so though. I really think they're just they're they're in that second tier there where I just can't say that I would put my faith in them over Green Bay, Tampa Bay, Seattle, and the Rams. Don't think they're legit contenders. All right, so let's move on to talk about the Browns and the Bengals. What a game we have here. Uh, the Browns end up winning this one 37-34. Really exciting back-and-forth game. I, I really um, didn't flip this one over till the to the later portions um, just because of what I had on Sunday ticket. I had a good setup going. Um, really rough first quarter from Baker. Odell gets hurt. And then Baker plays one of his best games. I, I, I don't get how this works. And, and and maybe I need to reevaluate my, you know, I need to evaluate myself where it comes to my thoughts on Odell Beckham Jr. because I think any quarterback should benefit from having Odell Beckham Jr. on their team. Um, but we've seen a situation here where maybe there is a problem when you have a star wide receiver that quote unquote needs to be fed the ball. And I, the thing that shocks me is I don't feel like they were doing all that much to try and feed Odell. I thought that the passing offense was pretty spread out between Jarvis, the tight ends, Kareem Hunt. I didn't feel like they were forcing the ball to Odell. So it's interesting to see that Odell goes down and then all of a sudden this passing offense just comes to life out of nowhere. Um, so they win this one here, you know, just to take a look at the rest of the game. Let me pull this up. Sorry, I'm, I'm losing my place right here. You know, Baker ended up, you know, with five passing touchdowns tied for the most in Cleveland football history. Of course, the wild fourth quarter there where a combined 34 points were scored between both teams. Um, 22 of 28 for 300 yards. You know, Kareem only, you know, he was getting things on the ground kind of 76 yards. Really excited to see Nick Chubb back. I think they hinted maybe week nine would be the case for Cleveland. Um, and then, yeah, I mean, take a look at these these receiving stats. Not only was it OBJ didn't do anything, but even Jarvis didn't have the, the biggest day. You know, five catches of 48. Meanwhile, Harrison Bryant, Donovan Peoples-Jones, and Rashard Higgins all had more receiving yards than him. Um, man, I don't know what to make of this of this Browns team. That's where I sit at right now. They're 5-2, and two, blown out by the Steelers and the Ravens. But the thing is, they only have to play the Steelers and the Ravens once more each the rest of the season. So even at that case, that's a the, you know two more losses that you're adding in there. Now obviously the schedule, you know, is isn't great for them. So you know you'll sprinkle on a couple losses there. But you know this is this is a playoff team. This is at this point in the season taking a look at the rest of their schedule and let's just pull it up just to you know walk through it again. Um, Sorry, taking a little bit longer. My iPad is a pain in the butt sometimes. All right, so the Browns schedule, let's take a look. All right, so they play next this week against the Raiders. That one's going to be a tough game. Actually, you know what? Taking a look at their schedule, it's not that great. The Raiders is a tough one. Um, that's a tough one. The Texans, Deshaun Watson, but they're a bad team. Then you got the Eagles. Still think you can beat up on them. You get the Jaguars. Uh, you also have the Giants and the Jets on the schedule. I don't see this Browns team not making the playoffs. If you're telling me which games they are most definitely going to lose, it's the Steelers, it's the Ravens, 
and I say they they lose to the Titans. That's really only three more what I would call guaranteed losses. Now, of course, the Raiders could give them trouble. The Texans and the Eagles can give them trouble. It's a very important next three weeks for them. But, I mean, we could be sitting in a situation with a 10-5 and Browns team. I wouldn't be absolutely shocked, you know, especially if they get Nick Chubb back, especially if the defense gets healthier because they're still banged up. I don't know. Not... Are they going to be a team that really pushes the needle in the playoffs? No, they're not. They're, they're going to be a team that, you know, if they get stuck against Pittsburgh or Baltimore, it'll probably be the same result as we've seen. But um, really interesting stuff from Cleveland right now. Meanwhile, on the flip side, I, what more is there to say about Joe Burrow? He, he's terrific. He's great. It wasn't just a one-year anomaly in LSU. He is going to be a great quarterback in this league if he can stay healthy and hopefully uh, Cincinnati takes care of him. But, you know, they're sitting at 1-5-1 and one right now. He had another great showing despite missing Joe Mixon, despite, you know, Gio Bernard only being able to get 37 yards on the ground. Uh, meanwhile, Burrow had 34 himself. Um, and it was nice to see a lot of guys in the pass game get involved. It was a big game for A.J. Green, finally. Seven catches for 82 yards. Tyler Boyd with 11 for 101 and a touchdown. You got T. Higgins involved. Um, really, really exciting stuff here. Really exciting stuff. Good, good quarterback play um, in this one. It was a, it was really exciting to watch. Um, and the Browns, obviously now sitting at five and two, feel feel pretty comfortable with where they're at. All right, so let's talk Lions Falcons. This one I was all over from day one. It wasn't an easy, it wasn't an easy win for Detroit, but they pull it out. They move to three and three. Uh, the Falcons fall to one and six for the second consecutive season. The Falcons brutal way to lose a game. You know, you would think as much as you score, you keep scoring that you win games. They try to not score. Todd Gurley just barely falls into the end zone. So they score a touchdown um, instead of being able to just kick a field goal to win the game. Then Detroit marches down as time expires, gets the game-winning touchdown from eight yards out. Are the Lions good? I mean, Matt Stafford's been really good this year. Kenny Galladay has been terrific. The, the offense has been way better since he's come back. Um, you, you take a look at the ground game. DeAndre Swift had a big week two weeks ago, or I guess this in week six. Um, and then week seven, didn't get a lot on the ground. You know, only got uh, nine carries for 27 yards. So the, the run game really wasn't that established uh, against Atlanta, which I find surprising because they're not terrific against the run. Um, but the passing offense is great. The defense is meh. Uh, real, real tough test now as they head to take on Indianapolis this week. You, know, you take a look at the, the last two weeks. You get Jacksonville and Atlanta. Um, you also have the win over Arizona. That's your three wins of the season. So you'd like to see them start to beat better teams. Um, how they face up against the Colts is going to be very telling for, uh, for where their um, season is going to play out. So um, Detroit. Might have a little buzz going. I don't believe it fully. I could see them maybe being a 7-9 and nine type team. Um, you know, beat up on the bad teams, keep things close with the average ones and lose to the good ones. But um, we're really going to get a good feel for them this week against the Colts. And meanwhile for Atlanta, look, 1-6 at this point. Uh, all options have to be on the table, especially with, you know, a, a new GM being hired at the end of the season, a new head coach being hired at the end of the season. Um, going to be very interesting to see how they go about it, but they all options should be on the table for Atlanta, um, yeah, and that includes quarterback. 
Could Matt Ryan be on the move to finish out his career elsewhere? Potentially. I think if Atlanta is picking high enough to take a Justin Fields, a Trey Lance, or a Trevor Lawrence, I think you have to pull the trigger. Matt Ryan isn't getting any younger. Um, bad team, though. They got a lot of things to fix in Atlanta. And just just unlucky. They, they find new ways to lose games. Quick thing to talk about here. Uh, the Green Bay Packers easily took care of the Houston Texans 35-20. to Green Bay is now 5-1. Um, there's few things guaranteed in life, but one of which, uh, one that is, is Aaron Rodgers is great off of a loss. He's terrific, uh, especially off of a bad performance himself. Uh, he came out there 23 of 34, 283, four touchdowns, all without uh, Aaron Jones back there as well, too, to provide some bounce to that offense. Um, you know, Jamal Williams got things going 77 yards, but only averaged just right around four yards a carry, a very average showing for him. Um, and then what else is there to say about Devontae Adams, man? I mean, he's he's terrific. And and this is why, with, with Devontae Adams on the field, you do have to consider the Packers to be Super Bowl contenders. Now, as I said, I still believe they're, they have the same problems that they did last season. You know, teams that want to be physical run the ball with two tight end sets, uh, like the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, like the San Francisco 49ers. Um, I'll stretch it. Let's go into... The AFC, you know, the Titans would present a really tough challenge for the Packers. I mean, I think they actually get to play each other this year, if I'm if I'm not wrong. So that'll be a fun one to watch uh, out for. Um, I think the Packers, that's the one area of concern. So at that point, it becomes, okay, can you avoid those teams in the playoffs? Can you get matched up with a Seattle, who I think you can beat? Can you get matched up with a... Uh, can you get matched up with, I'm just trying to think of other playoff teams, the Cardinals. You could take care of the Cardinals pretty easily. They're sitting at 5-2. and two. Um, Trying to think. Anybody else in there? I mean, there's just there's, there's some teams that where you can avoid having to play the 49ers. Maybe the, the 49ers get bounced pretty early. Or, um, you know, the Rams, they, they're a pretty balanced team. It'd be interesting to see how they play each other. Um, the Saints would be an easy one to pass through for Green Bay, in my opinion. So, really, it just, to me, the Packers, it's, get as good of a, a position seating-wise as possible where you can face the teams that that uh, that are better matchups for you, you know, those pass, uh, you know, those non-physical teams, really, and I think Green Bay still has a shot to move pretty far. Now, they could still fix it. The run defense can, can you know, decide to show up eventually. I still think that it's they've just got problems in that front seven that, that are uh, too big to overlook, and power run offenses can just have their way with them. Um, and Houston... Now one and six. There's not a whole lot to talk about with them. Just take care of Deshaun Watson. Make sure that man stays healthy. I would hate to see him take another injury just because of this team being bad and the offensive line being garbage. So fingers crossed that uh, he stays healthy there. He just deals through this season and hopefully some, some changes are made this offseason. Some new hires are brought in to where we can feel comfortable about the future of Deshaun Watson because uh, nothing would make me more sad than to see another great quarterback um, have his, I guess, uh, career um, hindered because of poor management, poor front office play. All right, uh, not a whole lot to talk about in this one, too. We're going to breeze through this pretty quickly. Uh, the Washington football team moves to 2-5 and five with a 25-3 win over the Dallas Cowboys. Dallas, 142 yards of total offense. That is the worst since 2001. Um, not a whole lot I want to talk about. There really isn't. You know, you, uh, shout out to, to my boy Ben DiNucci. Um, I don't know if any of you guys who listen don't, don't know, but, you know, I covered uh, and, and worked with Ben uh, when he was at, at uh, quarterback at James Madison. 
obviously very happy to see him uh, make it to the league and, and potentially be lined up to be a starter this upcoming week uh, with, with Andy Dalton, you know, still dealing with a concussion. Um, so congrats to Ben. He's a hard worker. It's, it's really great to see the first JMU quarterback to ever, um, you know, make it to the NFL um, in, in terms of, you know, playing live snaps, um, things like that. So really excited for that. But I mean, it's, it's a tough situation that he is. Uh, it's a it's a tough situation that he is in right now because everything is going wrong in Dallas. You've got injuries on the offensive line. You've got Zeke completely underperforming. He looks unmotivated. Um, and then, you know, you've got talented receivers, but injuries on defense. Nobody believes in the coach. This is a wash of a year for Dallas. Um, and, and I say wash of a year. They're still sitting at 2-5 and five, well within reach of the division. And, you know, with Dalton, before I saw how bad this offense was without Dak, I was kind of believing that this was still Dallas's division to lose. I'm not going to predict anything to happen in this division now. I have no fucking clue. I have no idea how this is going to play out. Um, so going to have to wait and see. Uh, Washington, hats off to the win. Um, you know, Kyle Allen was pretty good, 15-25 to 25 for 194 and two touchdowns. Didn't have to do a whole lot because Antonio Gibson crushed it on the ground. 20 carries for 128 yards, one touchdown, average 6.4 yards per carry. Uh, Terry McLaurin got behind the defense a couple of times, scored a touchdown on 90 yards receiving. Two bad teams here. Shout out to Washington for getting it done. Um, alrighty, so moving it along now, uh, let's talk about the, I guess, what was considered the game of the week, the Steelers and the Titans. Fucking great game here in, uh, in Nashville. The, the Steelers end up winning this one, 27-24. They moved to 6-0, Tennessee first loss of the season, now sitting at 5-1. Biggest apology of the year. At first it was Carolina, now it's to Pittsburgh. I have, um, with each week, continued to bet against and think that this Pittsburgh thing is going to flame out. Uh, not because of their defense, more so because of the offense. I just don't love the run game. Um, and I, I think that, you know, Big Ben wasn't all that great. And, and to be honest, he, he wasn't all that great this past week. Uh, you take a look, two touchdowns, decent completion percentage, 268 yards, also through three interceptions. Um, they've got a lot of talented receivers there. That's what I'll say. They always find great receivers, whether it's, you know, Juju Smith-Schuster in the second round, James Washington later in the draft, Chase Claypool in the third round. Uh, Deontay Johnson. Look, I got to give credit to Pittsburgh. I got to give them credit. They, they've been terrific. Um, at first, I was just giving them credit for, you know, beating up on bad teams. They've taken care of Cleveland, who's 5-2. and two. They've now taken care of Tennessee, who's 5-1. and one. Almost let them creep back in. You know, obviously, they took a 24-7 uh, lead, 27-7 lead, actually, at the start of the uh, third quarter. And then Tennessee started marching their way all the way back in. Gostowski misses the field goal to send it into overtime. Really just a, an exciting game. Um, both of these teams are good. I, I'm not left here thinking one is bad now because of this outcome. I am I'm a believer of both of these teams. You know, Tennessee is a tough challenge, especially in that AFC South with, with Indy. They play each other twice within the next 17 days, I believe. Can that be right? They play the Titans twice in the month of November. I know that much. So that's really going to be the AFC South right there. It's those two matchups. Um, so we'll see how that goes for either of those teams in, in uh, Tennessee and Indianapolis. And for Pittsburgh, every week I say the, the challenge gets bigger. This upcoming week they've got the Ravens. Kind of on the Steelers here. I kind of am. I have not been that impressed with Baltimore this year. Um, really exciting to see how this one plays out because this will give us 
we always, I always say we're going to learn more and more about Pittsburgh as the year goes on, and, and the challenges keep getting tougher. I, I think the Titans are, were a tougher challenge than, than Baltimore is. I don't know. We're going to have to talk about this one on Friday with Teddy. I'm, I might be all in on the Steelers taking this one over Baltimore, so we'll have to wait and see how that plays out. Um, both these teams are good, though. I, I, I can officially declare that. I, I was a little low on the Steelers. I was relatively high on the Titans, all things considered, and, and I think both of them I, I left with just a, a, um, a confirmation that, that these teams are good. I was moving to the late afternoon, um, talk a little bit about the, the Chiefs and the Broncos. Uh, Chiefs win this one 43-16. Kansas City won 10 straight games uh, now against Denver. Chiefs 6-1. To me, best team in the NFL still. Um, Teddy actually sent me this really funny stat. Um, the Chiefs are the first team to ever not commit a single third down. So that the Chiefs offense didn't get a, a third down conversion. They gave up 400 yards of offense on the flip side and won by 27 points. First time to ever happen. So they won by 27 despite not converting a third down at all and giving up 400 yards of offense on the flip side. They won by 27. Uh, Chiefs are rolling. Patrick Mahomes seems to love to play in the snow. Um, just to take a look at, at the numbers all around this offense, it's just like, who's going to stop this? Who's going to stop this? I, I don't know who. Um, I, I, I'm on the side of, I, I think I already know where this, this Super Bowl is heading. Um, you take a look, Pat didn't have to do a whole lot, 15 to 23, 200 yards of touchdown. Uh, Le'Veon and Clyde were mixing it in there a little bit in the backfield. Um, and the receiving was all spread around too. They just, they dominated. Um, here's what I want to say, because we're going to transition into this game next. Um, I think the Super Bowl is decided. I think I've found the two most complete teams, one in each conference, and as long as these two teams stay healthy, they should be meeting up in the Super Bowl in Tampa, and that's the Chiefs and the Buccaneers. I don't see anyone in the AFC being able to keep up with the Chiefs offensively, uh, you know, if I think of teams that'll give them a tough go for it, Tennessee will be able to keep up with them. I still don't think, you know, as good as I think Pittsburgh is now, I, I don't think they're a, they'd be able to keep up with the Chiefs. The Ravens, we've already seen that they struggled to keep up with the Chiefs. So I think the Chiefs are representing the AFC, and I think the Buccaneers are going to make it in the NFC. No team looks more complete in the NFL right now to me than the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. I'd say they've got the most complete roster in football. Every week I go out there and I, and I try to find something to pick apart with Tampa, but everything is good. Everything. And they just added Antonio Brown. A wide receiver trio of Mike Evans, Chris Godwin, and Antonio Brown. Gronk, with every week, is seeming to get better and better at the tight end position. He's getting more comfortable. Ronald Jones, I'm not, the one thing I'll say about the Buccaneers is I do want to see less of Leonard Fournette. I think I'm at a point now where I am just, I want Ronald Jones to lead the way. Obviously, he had a rough day. Fournette had technically the better game, 11 carries for 50 yards. But I'm more so just on like, let's just give this to Ronald Jones. He's had a lot of great games this season. Um, keep him in a good rhythm. I mean, where are you going to find room for Scotty Miller in this offense now? He was the leading receiver on six catches for 109 and a touchdown. 
Where are you going to find room for that guy? I mean, at this point, do you just go, you know... I mean, think about that. You go five wide set. Empty backfield. You got Brady back there. And all of your options are Mike Evans, Antonio Brown, Chris Godwin, Scotty Miller working the middle of the field, and Rob Gronkowski is your tight end. I just I don't know who's stopping that. I think the, I think I think that's the Super Bowl. I'm 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 in on Green Bay. My preseason pick for the Super Bowl. You can go back to the episode and listen to it. I was all on the Buccaneers. Or sorry, not the Buccaneers. The the Chiefs and the Packers. I think the Packers. You know, look, maybe they can bounce back with a vengeance and and make up for that. You know, ugly loss at the beginning of the year. But I think that this is, I think this is Tampa and Kansas City. I feel good marking it down. To talk about the game specifically for them, they just they kind of just dominated the Raiders. Raiders didn't really have that much of a chance. You know, 45 to 20 here. Just take a look all around. You know, Derek Carr didn't have an awful game. I, I got to give credit to to two guys on the on the Raiders offense is Derek Carr and, and Nelson Aguilar. You know, both of those guys I, I've been low on for years, and both have had very impressive seasons. Uh, Nelson, five catches, 107 and a touchdown. Um, they're finding ways to get him involved. The talent at receiver with Renfro, Ruggs, Waller. Um, you've got a talented running back in Josh Jacobs. There's just a lot to be excited about in Las Vegas. What it's going to take is, is a defense. They need a defense. They allow way too many points week in and week out. So that's really where I stand at with uh, the Raiders. But the Bucks take care of this one easily. I'm all on them. I think they're the most complete team in the NFL. Really fun thing to talk about here now. Uh, really exciting game to discuss in New England. Um, I was all over this one. I was on 49ers plus two. Um, they go out there and they just flat out destroy the Patriots. 33-6. to six. Um, New England now 2-4. and four. Let's talk about the 49ers first. Aside from 20 minutes of football, Kyle Shanahan has dominated Bill Belichick's defense. Dominated. Aside from 20 minutes of football. And that's those 20 minutes when it was up 28-3 to and New England marched all the way back in the Super Bowl. They end up winning that game. Aside from those 15 minutes there that cost the, the, the Falcons the Super Bowl when Shanahan was the offensive coordinator, Kyle has picked apart this New England defense. And it's a mix of things. It's, it's great run game. He, he's the best run play designer in all of football. He is, he is so intricate with it. There's so many fine details in it. Um, you know, even without Raheem Mostert, you had Jeff Wilson go out there, 17 carries, 112 yards, three touchdowns. You got Jamichael Hasty going for nine carries, 57 yards. And then you just you work off of that. You build off of the run with play action for Jimmy. He was very efficient. Threw two interceptions, but only five incompletions on the game, 20 and 25. They just dominated. They, they picked apart Bill's defense, and that doesn't happen often. It doesn't happen often. Um, so hats off to Kyle. Hats off to Jimmy. I think they wanted this win more than anybody else on, on Sunday, just given you know Jimmy being traded away from New England after being told he was the next guy up. Um, you know, You take a look at Kyle. The, the biggest stains on his career, these Super Bowl collapses, none bigger than the 28-3 to the Patriots. So he wanted to get a win over Bill finally and did so. I just, you know, they wanted it more. They did. The 49ers needed this more too. 
you know, four and three now uh, in a division where everyone else is five and one or five and two. Um, there's a there's a lot of work to be done in San Francisco. They they're still putting the pieces together, and and you got to give them credit. They they just they went in there and they tore apart that New England defense, and that's so tough to do. It's so impressive. Now let's talk about the Patriots. Put up six points today. Have had a few lackluster showings the last few weeks. Cam Newton. On Sunday, 9 of 15 for 98 yards and three interceptions, eventually replaced by Jared Stidham, who went 6 for 10, 64 yards and one interception. Um, one thing that I think with the Patriots that we need to realize is, like, as much respect as we give Bill Belichick, and I give him the most respect in the world, I think he is, he is like my number one man crush in the NFL. You know, the sustained success that he built in New England has been so impressive. And it's it's with always a different variation of players. They just recycle these guys. They find undrafted free agents. They find guys in the later rounds that are studs. I love Bill. We have to acknowledge, though, that he doesn't know everything. You know, we, we were heading into this season saying, okay, the Patriots, you know, everybody was split on the Patriots. Could they win the division? Could they be bad and, and, you know, look for a quarterback at the end of the year? Then they bring in Cam and it's like, oh, okay, what do they got going now? You had all the players opt out on defense. So it's like, okay, is our defense going to be able to handle, you know, missing so many bodies that, that, that are really the some of the pillars of that defense, uh, just in terms of experience and how long they've been around. Um, fundamental pieces that they lost to, to COVID-19 opt-outs. So, you know, it, it was a mixed bag. You didn't know what you were going to get. And so, okay, you, you start the season 2-1, and one, and the one loss, you, you were, you know, two yards away from beating Seattle. They made a goal line stand at the end of the game. So you're thinking, okay, we're, we're one play away from being 3-0. Oh. We got things rolling. And then it falls flat on their face. Then they drop a bunch of games. They end up 2-4, and four, and you got to look and say, okay, this is what they were. You know, you take a look at the wins. They're not impressive ones. You beat up on the Raiders. Beat up on the Dolphins, only beat them by 10, I believe. And then, really, you, you put up a lot of points against Seattle, but everybody puts up a lot of points against Seattle. They're a very bad defense. So to say that Bill, you know, uh, people are putting some, you know, shit on Bill right now, he doesn't know everything. He's rolling with the punches just like us. I, you know, there could be a situation where he thought this team was going to be bad. And then all of a sudden, they're 2-1, and one, one snap away from 3-0. and oh, And he's like, okay, maybe we got something rolling here. I don't know. Let's try and see where it goes. And now it's falling apart. Now they're at 2-4. and four. Now they're probably back to what they should have been. He doesn't know everything. Bill doesn't know everything. He's rolling with the punches just as much as we are sometimes. And, and he's figuring out more and more about this team as, as we learn more about this team. So, you know, I, I think we take a look and we say, okay, well, why aren't they adding in pieces? Why aren't they trading for receiver talent? I think we're more on the side of that this is this is the Patriots team that we're going to get. If they can get some wins and push for the playoffs, then Bill's going to be very happy with that. But he's also on the side of, look, I'm missing, you know, five or six key pieces of my defense to COVID-19 opt-outs. We've shuffled around all these pieces. I, I don't have good receiver talent. I don't have good running back talent. Maybe this is a wash of a year. And I think that now, sitting at 2-4, and four, I'm, I'm comfortable saying that, you know, this is going to be a wash of a year for the Patriots. If Cam can turn it around and the Patriots start winning games, they could push to the playoffs. Bill's not going to complain. But I don't think he's going to overhaul the roster and make some serious changes just because in a, in a year as weird as this, 
they start out the season two and four. So this is uh, we should have lowered expectations on New England. I don't think that people should be bashing Belichick saying, well, look at what Brady's doing down in Tampa Bay. Brady didn't want to be in New England. His time was done there. He moved on. That was his decision. I, I still think that Bill is going to rebuild this thing up, but it's just a down year. You lost so many pieces of your team. And, and look, he hasn't drafted well the last few years. I think we can admit that. He's missed on a lot of guys that are, are crushing it in the league right now, but let's cut him some slack. It's just going to be a down year for the Patriots. All right, I want to zip through these uh, last few games because I got some stuff that I actually got to get taken care of. So we'll just do some, some quick-fire discussions on these other games. Which ones have I missed? Chargers-Jaguars. Justin Herbert. Fucking terrific. Great quarterback. I was listening back to my draft podcast last year. I had him as QB1B. He was just a hair behind Burrow, and he has been phenomenal this year. Um, you know, 27 to 43, 347, three touchdowns. He's got a beautiful deep ball. He also led the team in rushing, nine carries, 66 yards, and a touchdown. I love him. I love him. He's, he's so much fun to watch. Keenan Allen had a great game. They're getting different guys involved each week. You know, okay, it wasn't working with Mike Williams and Hunter Henry. Okay, well, let's get guys like Virgil Green. Let's get him a 26-yard touchdown. Let's get Jalen Guyton, 84 yards and a touchdown. I'm just glad that they were able to finally win a game because Herbert's been terrific, but he hasn't gotten a win yet. So now, of course, you know, with the Jaguars, they're able to hold him off long enough. Now at 2-4, and four, I don't expect huge things out of him this season, but I expect huge things out of Herbert. He's been terrific. Meanwhile, Jacksonville... Garner ain't it. Doug Marone probably ain't it. Let's rehaul in this offseason and, and get a fresh start going. Um, I think the only last two games are those, are those primetime ones, so let's get those going. Uh, Cardinals beat the Seahawks at home 37-34 to in the ugliest fucking game ever. We're always due for these games, I feel like. They, they always pop up out of nowhere. Where they, it's just like, this team should have won, and then this one play goes opposite. Okay, the other team has an opportunity. They fuck it up. It keeps going back and forth of which team is not going to fuck up more. Um, and and on, on Sunday night, it was uh, it was the Cardinals. Russ was still terrific despite the three interceptions. You know, 388, three touchdowns as well, too. Uh, Chris Carson goes down with an injury, so you got to rely more on Carlos Hyde, which is definitely a downgrade, but... Hopefully he can get things rolling while Carson remains injured. Um, and then how about Tyler Lockett? 15 catches, 200 yards, three touchdowns on 20 targets. 20 targets, that's insane. Um, you know, he was, he was all that was going because DK had a tough time with Patrick Peterson. Um, really was only targeted five times either, so he wasn't getting open a, a whole bunch. Um, look, I, I don't have a ton to say about this game. I, I, you knew it was going to be weird. You know, when you saw the line was three and a half, you're like, okay, this game is going to be tricky. Kyler was good, 34-48, touchdowns. I know I was on the Seahawks minus three and a half, but sometimes these games just, they, they pop up randomly. See, Seahawks, I, I say this all the time, the Seahawks weren't going to go 16-0. 98% chance that they, they go, or there's a 2% chance they go 15-1 to me. You're going to get some losses in there. This is just a fluky one. Seattle is still great. Arizona has done what they needed to do in the first half of their schedule because, as I said, in the second half, it gets tough. So they've gotten to 5-2. and two. Now it's, okay, can we go 4-5 and five the rest of the way and sneak into the playoffs at 9-7? and seven? Or can we go 5-4, you know, and four, be 10-6, and six and guaranteed in the playoffs? So really, the, they, they've done their part now. They're 5-2. and two. 
I said at the beginning of the season they were going to start the year 5-2 and two or 6-1. and one. Now it's how can you hold up against the Rams, the 49ers, play the Seahawks again. The schedule gets tougher. you got to play New England um, as well too, um, which is, you know, Every, every young quarterback's first time against New England is, is, a scary, uh, is a scary thought. So we'll see how that goes. Um, but yeah, hats off. Hats off to the uh, Cardinals. They've won seven out of their last ten. Um, uh, two, you know, I, I still think that the Seahawks, look, they've got problems on defense. Uh, in, a, in, a, in a right situation where things play out, maybe they can make it to the Super Bowl. I'm not buying it. I think they're a really good playoff. Or they're a really good team. Um, but I don't know if they can keep pace with some of, you know, I, I, I just, I worry about teams that have really good run games that can keep Seattle off the field. Last game, uh, Rams-Bears. Rams dominate the Bears 24-10. Um, to 10. Rams now 15-4 at home since 2018, which I believe is when Sean McVay began coaching there. Uh, Bears fall to 5-2. and two. Um, you take a look at the offensive numbers, and, and the Bears are actually a little bit worse at, uh, offensively with Nick Foles in at quarterback, which is interesting just in terms of, of yards. But they've also faced tough opponents since Foles was handed over. You know, it was the Colts, it was the Buccaneers, it was the Rams. You know, the, the, they had a pretty easy go the first few weeks. I still think this Bears team is good, not great. Could they sneak in as a wild card potentially? But I don't have a whole lot of faith in it. And the Rams, they're a top three team in the NFC. Right now, I go Tampa Bay, Green Bay, Los Angeles Rams. You know, to me, they're the third best team in the NFC. Well-rounded. The defense has been terrific this year. The offensive line is giving time for Jared Goff. You know, the Bears have a great front seven, and, and Goff had all day to throw. Uh, this, team, this team will hang around. They're, they're one of the more complete rosters in football. Uh, Aaron Donald and Jalen Ramsey on your defense is a great start, and then you've got other great pieces in there as well. I mean, offensively... You know, yeah, I, I'm not the biggest golf guy, but I think he's serviceable when he's got time in the pocket. And he's got Sean McVay as his, as his uh, head coach. So things are going well in Los Angeles. Good rebound season after a disappointing year last year. I think that they can take this and, and push for, you know, you know, the way that the playoff bracket fills out. I could see this team being in the NFC Championship. Um, and that'll wrap things up. Look, I, I appreciate you guys listening so much. I know we had to bust through those last few ones because I got uh, some conflicts coming up, but I appreciate you guys listening. Uh, please go like, review, subscribe to the channel, share it with your friends. Um, we'll be back, like I said, tomorrow with some more league-wide topics. On Friday, we'll have Teddy back doing picks against the spread for week eight. Really appreciate all of your guys' continued support. Um, and with that, go and have a great rest of your day, and I'll talk to you soon. Peace.